Everything Sucks, Season 1, Episode 8. I just want to be anybody. <laughs> oh my god. It's a beautiful life. Welcome back to your unofficial Everything Sucks podcast, where not everything sucks because we have a cool show to talk about. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and as usual, I'm joined by the wonderful Julia. Julia! That's right. Welcome aboard. Welcome back. So glad to be here. We have moved. That's right. The Everything Sucks podcast has moved into its own place. You can find us now at www.everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com. That's right, www.everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com. We also have a new Twitter page. That's right. You can find us at ES Pop Podcast. ES Pop Podcast. Or you can also still find us on Pop Staff Tweets and at P. Kennedy Updates. But that's some big news, so very cool. The, the podcast has moved into its own feed. You can get us on iTunes or wherever finer podcasts are heard. You can just look for Everything Sucks Podcast. You'll find us. Mm-hmm. So you never know who might be listening, right? Mm-hmm. We had some great response come in on the last episode, which was episode seven, like Cheesecake to a Fat Man. And a lot of people seem to like it. And... Every once in a while, we get a message from Michael Mohan, mm -hmm. which is one of the creators and writers of Everything Sucks. That's, yes. That's pretty darn cool, huh? I think so. So he listened to the last episode, Cheesecake to a Fat Man, episode seven of the Everything Sucks podcast, and he dropped us a note. He said, hey, Ken and Julia, I just listened to your latest podcast episode, and I thought I could shed a little light on some of the things that you discussed. By the way, are you freaking as much as I am? Yes. <laughs> this is pretty cool. He writes, So when Kate pulls the posters off the wall, and the timing of all those edits coupled with the timing of the lyrics of the song, so much of the credit goes to our editor, Christian Mazzani. He's the one who brilliantly put that together. It barely changed from the very first rough cut to the final product. And it's because of his creativity and his precision, even down to the insert shot of the needle going down on the table. He digitally retimed the speed of that insert shot of her hands. So it happens exactly on the beat of the song. I love those little touches. We do too. It makes this show so cool, right? It definitely does. And you can see how much work was put into every last detail. Mm -hmm. He goes on because you mentioned uh, Kate did your boy Ryder Strong wrong, right? Yes. <laughs> you want to explain that? Why I said what I said? Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm just a big fan of Ryder Strong, and I don't think she should have just, like, ripped him off like that. But that's <laughs> just me. If you're listening, like, I've been a fan of you literally since Boy Meets World. You're one of my favorite characters on there. So, you know. And it's it's great to see he's still in the business and doing a bunch of cool stuff. Michael Moen goes on to say, as for the poster of Ryder Strong, there's a deeper meaning behind that. Ryder is actually a super accomplished director mm -hmm. and has a ton of experience working with kids and teenagers. We have some mutual friends in common, and prior to the production, he took the time to sit down with me for a few hours, giving me all sorts of tips from casting to production. It was so helpful. The guy couldn't be more generous. So later, when we had to pick a handful of images to put on Kate's wall, we wanted to have a little personal nod to him. So how cool is that? I think that's amazing that he, like, helped them out like that. It's amazing. And uh, it's, it's just so neat. To me, it just speaks of how much love went into the show, right? Yeah. And it also is great just because of that whole, like, nod to the 90s. Yeah. That's when that's when Boy Meets World was a big thing. Mm -hmm. So you have the 90s helping a show about the 90s. Michael Moan goes on to say, and then the nutmeg scene. They actually <laughs> ate nutmeg on the day. So <laughs> there's an answer to our question, because remember, that's how we got on the Nestle's Quick discussion. Yes. It turns out they actually ate nutmeg. Hard to believe. Mm hmm. 
he goes on to say, and you should see the outtakes. And we want to, right? Yes, please release them if you can. He says there's one moment where Eli ate like way too much nutmeg and cursed Sydney for loading it up with way too much spice. <laughs> <laughs> this whole subplot comes from some silly college roommates that he had who ingested a ridiculous amount of nutmeg, not just once but twice in order to get high. The first time they did it, everyone just got stomach aches. The second time they did it, half of them claimed it worked. It didn't, he says in parentheses. And the other half just got another bad stomach ache. Based on that experience, I honestly think it would be very difficult to ingest so much that it would cause actual bodily harm, which is why we felt it was okay to put that in the show. So, there you go. Now you know, folks. Now you know it was actual nutmeg that they ate that day. So. Mm-hmm. Very cool. He uh, finishes up the message by saying, Thanks so much for being such a vocal fan of the show. It really means so much to us, Ken and Julia. So much more than I can articulate here. So thank you very much. And we did ask his permission before reading it on the show. So thank you, Michael Mohan. And it's great that there are so many members of the cast and crew that are listening to this show. Yeah, I agree. Whoever would have thought it. Tiny little unofficial Everything Sucks podcast would reach so many people, but it's great that it is. So keep tweeting, keep trying to get the show back on the air. There's still time. It can still happen, even if yeah. it's just a wrap-up movie, right? So I would love that. Yeah. Now, there's a couple things that popped up on Facebook that I want to talk about before we get into this episode. It was one of the coolest things that I've seen. It was Peyton Kennedy auditioning for this series. Uh, Armstrong acting tweeted this and it says at Peyton Kennedy audition for the series lead role on Netflix everything sucks the audition was taped here at AAS with coach Robert Kennedy and oh yeah she booked it and I'm going to play the audio from this clip and you can hear Kate doing the lines that she later did in the series and it's so cool let's check that out well there's this one song where halfway through she just starts crying and it's her singing and playing the piano and crying and it's just so real well there's this one song where halfway through she just starts crying mm -hmm. and it's her just singing and playing the piano and crying and it's just so real wow and her first album is called little earthquakes you know what that means orgasms she like totally named an entire album after orgasms or at least that's what i heard and her first album is called Little Earthquakes. You know what that means? Yeah. Orgasms. Like, she totally named an entire album after orgasm. Or, that's what I heard. How cool is that? Very. Yeah. And one last thing before we jump back into the show. Adrian Erickson tweeted, and then Patch Dara retweeted. Everybody's retweeting it, but can't believe that we are still seeing this amazing hashtag fan art for everything sucks tv and there's some really cool fan art being done coral.jackson.art did this really cool thing with the characters of everything sucks but they don't have faces but they have eyebrows and mouths and then above that it's got and i think it's going to be a long long time and we see a space scene above it and that was really neat galar patch that's their twitter name did a really cool thing with a videotape so it's stuck in the 90s kind of a thing. It's really neat. But the one that I really liked was by Valeria Space Vulp Space HM. And it's got this really cool drawing of what it would look like if Everything Sucks was an animated series. It's so yeah. amazing. So we'll, we will be posting that in this thread on Twitter and on Facebook and stuff like that. So just very, very neat. Mm -hmm. So, Julia, it's time to enter into Episode 8 of our commentary of Everything Sucks. And which episode are we doing today? Episode 8, I Just Wanna Be Anybody. So it's time to do our walkthrough. You ready, Julia? I am. All right, Scott Pocket. Roll tape! Scott Pocket. <laughs> this is a very important episode. Yes. Talk about transitions, huh? Mm-hmm. 
We see people doing some new things that they've never done and uh, taking on different roles. Yes. It seems like everything that we've known up to this point is going to be shaken. Mm-hmm. Except for Stargrove. He, he manages to have a happy ending. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Stargrove. Yeah. Who also is one of the executive producers of the series, in case y'all didn't know. Yes. One of the creators. Yes. So, without further ado or further ado, here we go. Scene one. We see Oliver, Elijah Stevenson, in his room. As the camera pans towards him, we see candles, playbills of plays and musicals as Oliver writes a note for Tyler. I love how they design his room. Explain. Just what it looks like. Like, everybody's room is a snapshot inside their head. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And it says a lot about the show's production values that mm -hmm. they took the time to fill up this space. You know, it could yes. just as easily been just him walking down the road doing what he's doing. But they take the time to let us see a, a peek inside of Oliver's head and his life. Yes. So as Oliver writes a note for Tyler, he packs up his trench coat and he packs a duffel bag with books, Wonder Bread, a pick of Emmeline, headshots, and a carton of Lucky Strikes. Mm -hmm. Oliver puts on a headband. Bandana. On, and he looks in the mirror, which cuts to a shot of Oliver rising up to the horizon with the box under his arm, a duffel bag over his shoulder, and a smoke in hand. As Oliver approaches Tyler's house, he looks down at Tyler's stepdad's red truck. The truck bed is full of garbage, empty beer cans, and construction trash. Tyler has mentioned that his stepdad is an alcoholic in a previous episode, correct? Yes. Oliver reaches the door, and he kneels down to write protege on the box. He forgot to put the accent on the word, though. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Oliver walks down the drive, leaving the box at Tyler's door. We see that the roof has a tarp and that the lawn is unkempt. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of stuff in the front yard. So if this guy is a construction worker, he's not taking care of the stuff at, at the actual house, right? No, he isn't. Oliver is then seen boarding a bus, and with a flick of his cigarette, he breathes out boring Oregon one last time to conquer the world of acting. Mm-hmm. Cut to a button of the opening credits of Everything Sucks. Yes. We hear the song Leave Them All Behind playing as Oliver boards the bus. Which is very apt to what he's doing. Yes, absolutely. Again, the music choices in this show are absolutely stellar. Mm -hmm. Scene two, we see Abby Brittle as Leslie and many others loading the AV equipment into the mini school bus. Mm-hmm. Leslie is having a bit of a struggle with that equipment. Yeah. And Luke is just thrilled. This is the happiest we've seen Luke in an episode or two. Yep. And he says to Kate, thank you. And she says, thank my dad. He's the one who hooked us up. Mm-hmm. We see Jalen Howard as Cedric Williams, who is looking a bit like Dennis Rodman circa 1996 here. And he slams his duffel bag into McQuaid's arms, saying, McWeird. <laughs> and McQuaid looks up and says, what? And the duffel bag slammed into his arms. So that's uh, Cedric's name for McQuaid is McWeird. So. Yes. Luke is all hyped up and happy and does a drum roll on the back of the bus driver's seat, which is helmed by AV teacher Stargrove. Dominguez rocks, here we come! That would drive me crazy if someone was banging on the back of my seat. It would just drive me, me nuts. Yeah. Stargrove is showing some patience here. Mm -hmm. Emmeline walks up the steps into the bus and Mr. Stargrove says... It looks like someone saw the craft. Boy, does it ever. I mean, she is. she's really decked out in that I'm feeling dark today. She looks like she pops straight out of the Addams Family. Yeah. Did you ever see the craft? I didn't. You must. Probably should. You must. You must. It would, <laughs> wouldn't it be ironic if they redid the craft? And wouldn't it be something if they redid the craft and they got Sidney Sweeney to be in it? 
that would be like major. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would, she would be great in it. Mm-hmm. Hollywood, if you're listening, make some calls. Let's make this happen. Yes, please. You need to see the craft. We're going to have to review it, okay? I will. All right, okay. At this point, Tyler enters the bus, and he's he, he looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. He also yeah. looks like he's the mini-me version of Oliver wearing Oliver's coat, so. I, you, I feel so hard for him. Me too. And you have to wonder if Emmeline is storming after seeing Oliver's coat on Tyler. That's a good point, because when I initially saw this episode, I thought she was just storming because Oliver left. But Tyler wearing Oliver's coat might have sparked something else, too. I mean, she was probably already fuming heading towards the bus. Mm-hmm. This would have been like insult to injury kind of thing because, well, we'll find out. Yeah. Tyler says, sorry, I'm late. Luke says, no, it's good. We're waiting on one more, Stargrove. And Tyler's like, no, we're not. Yeah, we're all here. Mm-hmm. Quaid says... Tyler, why are you wearing Oliver's trench coat? And so then Tyler begins to talk about everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tyler says, so don't shoot the messenger. Sheepishly. Scene three, we see the bus pulling out of the school parking lot as Luke screams. He what? Yeah. And he's reading the note that was given to Tyler by Oliver. Yeah. And here is what the note said. Dear Tyler, New York calls. One day, like me, you'll soar. Luke screams as he tears up the note. I don't think he should have torn that up, because I think that might have been a prized possession of Tyler's. It was not Luke's to tear up. Definitely not. This would be the equivalent of Tyler erasing Luke's uh, videotapes of his dad. Yeah. This This meant something to Tyler. And I feel that it's further indication of Luke being so self-important at this point and so full of his own self that he's not seeing what he's doing to his friend. Yeah. And it's really sad because someone who was paying attention to Tyler is now gone. Mm-hmm. And he just tore up that note from that person. It's very yeah. sad. Yeah. Cedric says, I can't believe he actually did it. Those New York hotties are going to be all over that kid. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> yep. Stargrove <laughs> says, so wait, let me get this straight. I'm driving you kids all the way to L.A. to shoot a scene from your movie, and your lead isn't even here? We better just turn around now. Luke freaks. No, I am not letting some egomaniacal douchebag get in the way of everything I've been working for. Everything we've been working for. We'll figure this out, right? Tyler is hurt, and you can see it. He says, yeah, okay. Luke says, so maybe on the way back to Gloptonia, the ship passes through like an asteroid belt. Kate says, an asteroid hits the ship, killing Oliver. Works for me. But isn't he supposed to die at the end? Maybe he just passes through a cloud of shape-shifting gas that affects males only and changes his appearance. That could work. So when the ship lands, Blorg is no longer played by Oliver. But instead played by, at which point Stargrove says, fine, I'll do it, but I get page one rewrite and a sole credit. (laughs) Tyler says it first. He says, I'll do it. Oliver gave me his coat. That means something. Yes. And Cedric mentions that you are already in the movie, homeboy. You can't remember your lines as it is. Tyler says, Mm -hmm. I know my lines, Dennis Rodman. At which point McQuaid, surprisingly says i'll do it (laughs) he also says i mean yeah i haven't been in the film yet and my acting is probably garb one of his favorite slang words to use yep but maybe that will provide a new layer of humor i mean i'm the only logical choice so mcquaid using the logic of spock mentions he is the only logical choice and everyone agrees yeah plus he also really wants to kiss emmeline so I hadn't noticed. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think anyone did by this point. Hmm. Yeah. Everyone agrees and Luke says, All right, McQuaid, way to step up. This is gonna be great. Tyler 
listening to the wheels of the bus go round and round, says, Did anyone bring any music? Cedric says, You do know you have a kissing scene with Emmeline, right? McQuaid says, Oh, I am aware of that. <laughs> I love the way you read that. <laughs> well, I was channeling McQuaid. You did a very good job. Thank you. At which point we hear and see Leslie pick up the cassette and say, Sweet! Ace of Base! I've always wanted to do that. Well, you, you just did. Star of Grove? What? No. No. <laughs> oh my god. It's a beautiful And now we see the scene that is present in our opening credits of our podcast. Yes, one of my favorite moments as well. The travel dance montage. Leslie starts dancing, and she kind of makes moves on Tyler. She's like dancing towards him, and then she danced towards Luke a little bit. But she's really concentrated on Tyler. Mm-hmm. Luke jams back. Kate notices Emmeline, who is in revulsion at the good time that is happening. Cedric does the robot. McQuaid looks at everyone like they've grown a, another head, and Tyler squeaks as he sings It's a Beautiful Life. What a great fun scene. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, because the song, again, the words, so full of hope, and talking about what a great life that this is, and they're, they're headed out into something really cool. And as they head towards the desert, with this music playing over and over again, Star Grove stares ahead in anger. Mm-hmm. We had Oasis say, don't look back in anger, and now we have Stargrove looking forward in anger. So, <laughs> Yeah. And we have Emmeline sitting in the back, brooding. Yes. Scene four, we see the bus pull into the motel, mm-hmm. and then we see into the boys' room. It seems like the girls have a room and the boys have a room. Yes. And Luke, McQuaid, and Tyler are talking about the film as it pans up to the window. So we're actually looking into the room through the window. Mm-hmm. McQuaid is running dialogue. Tyler cracks a joke. Yeah. And Luke is not having it and sends Tyler on a busy mission. He says, go grab us some sodas, please. The change is in my bag. Thank you. Tyler sighs, leaves the room. And McQuaid says, Luke, can we talk about the kiss? How passionate should it be on a scale of one to ten? I think we really need to sell it. Yeah, priorities. And Luke says, wait a minute, this is your first kiss, isn't it? Uh, yes, your point? Uh, dude, you know it's going to be on tape forever. You could show it to your kids one day, if you want to. (laughs) Great. And we see Tyler shut the door behind him and walk past the window. And this is a neat scene that we're going to see kind of replicated later where they pass windows and pass one another by. It's like a really neat moving scene. I feel so bad for Tyler. Tyler and Leslie through the whole series. I feel so bad for both of them because they always get passed up by everyone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we see Tyler leave the room. The camera pans across from one window to the next room. We see Tyler sighing as he passes by the window of Kate, Leslie, and Emmeline's room. And Kate watches him walk away in sadness, and she pulls the curtain shut, which leads to scene five. Mm -hmm. We are inside the room now. Kate turns and says, Hey, Emmeline, I know you're probably not in the mood to talk, but I just wanted to say I'm sorry about Oliver. This is an important scene that we're going to see because this is the second time we see a crack in Emmeline as far mm-hmm. as uh, being nice to Kate. Yes. So why don't you walk us through this scene? So Emmeline is standing at the mirror. She's taking off her lipstick, which is important to the scene because it's like she's taking off the brooding mask that she had earlier. It could be representational of the fact that she's trying, she's starting to show us her true self. Because this scene is really vulnerable. This is the first time we see Emmeline with her hair back, and mm-hmm. she's not putting on air. She's, this is. All natural. Yep. This is the real her, or the closest yeah. we're going to get to it for a while. Yeah. And Kate 
begins to talk about how she thinks that someone who would just leave Emmeline like that wasn't worth it to begin with. Uh-huh. At which point Emmeline asks Kate, how does she do it? Yeah. Kate says, do what? Emmeline says, it's like so easy for you. I'm not sure I know what you're referring to, says Kate. Emmeline says, you just exist. You don't have to be anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. This is definitely Emmeline. She's showing her true self here. She's admitting to the fact that she can't seem to be herself all the time. Right. And you got to be yourself, folks. Mm-hmm. So Kate asks if that is a good thing, that you just can be yourself and don't have to be anybody. Emmeline says, of course it is. For me, I've always just been Oliver's girlfriend, psycho chick. Yeah. I love the camera work here because it, it does a slow pan into Emmeline and then cuts back to Kate, who's reacting to the way Emmeline is emoting. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Emmeline says, now that he's gone, it's like... What am I even doing? I like the attention, I'm not going to lie. But I think deep down I just wanted his attention. We see Kate, and she's looking at Emmeline. You know how he told me he was leaving? He didn't. His dad called me and asked if I knew where he was. I was just a prop to him. I'm so pathetic. Yeah. Kate says, no, you're the opposite of pathetic. You're funny, you're confident. You're a way better actor than he ever was. Emmeline says it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Emmeline gets up and sits on Kate's bed. Why are you being so nice to me? I was a total bitch to you. Kate says, yeah, why were you so mean to me? Emmeline says, I don't know. Maybe I was a little bit jealous. Kate says, of me? Yes. Mm -hmm. You're so cool and you don't even try. It's annoying. I'm not cool. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And they go back and forth like that. Yeah. You're cooler for thinking that you aren't. It's really cute. They both giggle, and Emmeline lays back on the bed. Kate joins her, and they look into each other's eyes. Kate says, I think you're the most sexy and attractive person I've ever met in my entire life. This, like, it really shocks Emmeline that she says this. Definitely. And it's also being said at a time when she's not made up, running around with a lollipop and sunglasses and just larger than life when she's alone and fragile. Yep, and very, very stripped down. Emmeline says, you really think so? Kate says, I think you're perfect. Emmeline mm-hmm. leans in to kiss Kate when the door bursts open. Hi, Leslie. <laughs> and we hear Leslie scream, disgusting! <laughs> and you don't know whether she's seen them or not, but it turns out that she hadn't. But that was the, the fear that they had, right? God, yeah. This also vaguely reminds me of that scene in Lizzie McGuire where Lizzie and Gordo are right about to kiss. And then Lizzie's dad pops in. Lizzie, you're missing the lobster eating competition. (laughs) So Leslie screams, disgusting. I found my retainer on the floor of the bus. The bus! My teeth are going to be crooked forever. Mm -hmm. So what's (laughs) crack-a-lacking? Leslie disrupts everything that was going to happen. Pretty much. One thing I want to point out, Oliver doesn't really think about Emmeline as a prop, though. I honestly think that he was kind of afraid to confront her. I think so, too. And you can tell that she means more to him than just a prop because he took a photo of her. Exactly. With him in his duffel bag. He wouldn't have done that otherwise. That's true. He would have been on to other things and other people, so... Scene six, we see the bus driving through the desert as It's a Beautiful Life plays for the 7,037th time. (laughs) The bus stops and the students and the aliens step out of it into this wonderful vision known as Dominguez Rocks. Mm -hmm. McQuaid and Emmeline are in full blue costumes. Yep. Luke says, we're here, unreal. And everybody just kind of soaks it in that they're actually seeing this amazing thing. After a breath, all right, guys, let's unload. And then we see a montage of setting up equipment, testing things, getting shots right. McQuaid corners Luke and tries out a line. How's this? Why did you come here, you mortal fool? And Luke says, dude, your breath, it's like, uh, find some Banaka stat. Where am I going to find Banaka, McQuaid says. 
So we see them rolling tape, and Luke says, Roll camera, rolling, scene 21, Guatemala, take one. At this point, they're ready to shoot, and they are interrupted by a park ranger, a female park ranger, who informs yes. them that, Hey, what are you kids doing? You need a permit to film here. Luke, thinking fast on his feet, says, Totally random question, but um, do you have any skin allergies? We cut to the next scene. We see the park ranger covered in blue makeup with the wig on and the space outfits screaming, Oh, you foolish human. You shall feel the wrath of Commander Blorg. Cut! How was it? Oh, that was great. You sure I can do it again? Why toy with perfection? Great. Wonderful. So they got her involved in the filming, and she's going to let the filming continue. Yes. So they're getting ready, and uh, Luke directs them, and he says, Give me Pacino. Give me De Niro. At yes. which point McQuaid says, get him. And he said, dude, that's Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> and we hear the song Connection by Elastica. Mm -hmm. Great song, great song. A connection is made. So scene seven, the big kiss scene. Dun, da, da, da. No pressure, huh? No pressure. And we see, we see the scene between Emmeline and Kate where... Kate is working on Emmeline's makeup. Mm -hmm. And doesn't Emmeline put the blue on her? Like yes, she does. Yeah. She gives your little stripes on each, like cat mm -hmm. whiskers kind of a thing, but two, two stripes underneath the eye. And we also get to see the glorious Leslie use her boom as a guitar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I do too. Luke calls for action. McQuaid spits out his gum. And screams, victorious cheesemongers of Earth shall rule the day they provoke the mighty Blorg. Yep. Zarjinda, my love, what say you of your studly betrothed, bound by duty and love? And mm -hmm. Emmeline's character, Zarjinda, says, I say you're more god than Glopinite. Yep. At which point McQuaid grabs her, leans her over, and gives her a big old kiss. Yeah. And doesn't stop for a while. And he says, cut, and says, give it up for McQuaid. Mm-hmm. And people applaud. That was some good kissing. Same to you, Emmeline and McQuaid <laughs> exchanged that. That's a wrap. Let's pack it up. McQuaid implores, are you sure we don't need another take? I could do another take for safety. Of we course. got it. <laughs> Can we also talk about the special effects that they did earlier with the blowing up of the watermelon? Sure. I think it's really cool because we get like when we see them painting the watermelon blue and then getting the watermelon to explode. I think it's cool because we get to see a peek into Luke's filmmaking process. Yes, absolutely. Him as a budding director. Like these these are these are special effects that anyone can do, really. Mm -hmm. I just think it's neat. Plus, we get to see a watermelon explode. Exactly. It's like. Watching Mythbusters Jr. <laughs> or David Letterman. He used to drop watermelons off the side of the building. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Scene 8. We see a swimming pool and we see Emmeline swimming from one end of the pool to the other. She reaches the edge of the pool and says, Kate, come swim with us. Kate says, I can't right now. I'm sorry. Maybe later. And mm -hmm. Kate doesn't realize it, but Emmeline was inviting her to be with her and Emmeline gets upset when she sees that she is now grabbing Luke by the hand and dragging him saying come with me mm -hmm. so Emmeline's not happy at this point and she's bummed out yeah Luke is trying to keep up with Kate who is going full steam and she says hold up what are we doing and then Kate goes did you know we're only 40 minutes away from Hollywood I guess so she says up for a little covert operation, she says as she jingles the keys. Luke says, badass. <laughs> and we see Kate driving the bus away with Luke in it. Yep. Scene 9. We see Emmeline walking to her room 
and McQuaid sees her. So this is similar to the same scene we saw where Tyler came out of the hotel room and walked across that hallway of rooms. Yes. We see like the same kind of thing. So it's weird because it, it's almost like post office but with uh, bad attitudes. Because mm-hmm. Emmeline's upset because Kate didn't come to her and she's thinking, well, she's picking Luke over me, so I guess any feelings I had that's over with she bumps into mcquade who chivalrously buys a mountain dew and offers it to her and she said no thanks mcquade says i was wondering if you wanted to go watch television with me in my room emmeline says go beat off into a sock which is not what mcquade had in mind (laughs) definitely not no (laughs) and so he's all miffed now so it's like the anger went from from emmeline to mcquade so he's pissed now mm-hmm. tyler comes up all happy and says dude i found a game room want to play ping pong <laughs> at which point mcquaid kind of offers the same advice emmeline did with him and tells tyler to go play with himself tyler laughs and says good one but then he realized he just got dumped by his friend and he can't understand why he's being mean to him So as he's walking along, we see that Leslie has overheard the conversation and says, I'll play if you want. Tyler says, are you any good? She says, Hmm, not really. Forget about it, says Tyler as he just storms on by. So that was a neat, if you watch how that one was filmed, it was neat to see the transition from character to character to character to character. Mm -hmm. That That was a neat scene. I liked it. Yeah. Scene 10, back on the bus, as Kate and Luke scope out Hollywood, and we see the sights and the sounds and the Hollywood montage. Mm-hmm. So that happens for a while. They laugh and they sing, and they're having a great time. Scene 11, they pull into the blockbuster. Yeah. Luke says, what is this, a pit stop? Kate says, I was thinking about what you said the night we went to see Tori Amos. Luke says... Oh, I th- I think we both said some things I'd rather forget. Kate says, I mean about your dad. You said you wished you knew him better. Well, now's your chance. Luke says, that's him. He looks through mm-hmm. the window and sees his father, who we now recognize from the videotapes. Yes. He is wearing a blockbuster uniform, so he left the town of Boring to become a big-time director and wound up working at a blockbuster. Yeah. So any thing he left his family for as far as seeking fame and fortune did not pan out luke says how did you kate says phone book his roommate told me where he worked so he has a roommate and things are not going as well as he wanted at that point we see luke exit the bus as kate opens the door for him we hear that sound Can I just interject here that I'm very happy that the writers chose not to go with the whole he has a new family trope. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So as Luke steps off the bus, he walks through the portal in the doorway of Blockbuster and we hear the scanners beeping and it's like Luke has entered an entire new world and he's breathing heavily. Oh, okay. And we see Leroy saying, hey, could I help you find anything? No, thanks. I'm good, says a customer. And Luke goes and stands an aisle away, but he's listening to what's going on. And we hear Leroy offer a suggestion to a customer that they should watch From Dusk Till Dawn, a really good vampire flick. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, the ending, <sighs> it's going to blow your mind, man. Nice, thanks. Yeah. Luke's just staring at the video titles without fixing his eyes on anything. Leroy O'Neill has now turned the corner and is headed towards Luke. And he says, hey, little man, uh, you need some help? You're looking for something in particular? And Luke says no and just hauls ass. Yeah. And we see Leroy O'Neill squinting, trying to understand what just happened. And he looks out the window And he sees this kid get on a bus. And you can almost see that he's like thinking, that looks a lot like my kid. That's his moment of realization. Yeah, we actually see it happen. Scene 12, Luke leaves the store in frustration and beelines back to the bus. Yeah. Doesn't even talk to her. He just slams himself down in the seat, 
Kate screams, what happened? He yells back, drive. She says, are you okay? Just drive. Luke, you can talk to me, Kate says. What happened? Nothing happened. This is not nothing, Kate says. Fine. What happened is, is I was right. My dad's an asshole. Thank you for the confirmation. Mm -hmm. Kate says, what did he say? Luke says, I just want to go to bed, Kate. Kate implores him to talk to him. She drives back home. Acting. The acting in this scene is incredible by all involved. And as they get off the bus, she says, Luke, talk to me, please. And Luke says, you know, it's kind of amazing. You're not my girlfriend, and yet you keep finding new ways to break my heart. You want to help? You can start by leaving me alone. Yeah. Kate is crushed. Luke is crushed. Luke storms off into the darkness, and Kate has this horrible look on her face. Yeah. Scene 13. Cedric opens the door to the motel room, yawns, and sees Stargrove come out of his motel room, followed by the female park ranger. <laughs> Stargrove chuckles and places the ranger's hat on her head, and her hair is down, and he says, thank you. And she says, write me sometime. He says, yeah, I'll do that. And she says, yeah. She walks away. He's looking at her as she leaves. And His look that he gives Cedric when he realizes that Cedric is there. Yeah. Is hilarious. Cedric and Stargrove lock eyes. Yeah. And at this point, he's like, oh, shit. I've just <laughs> been caught by a student banging a female park ranger who spent the night with me. And what's this kid thinking? What's this kid going to say? Well, Cedric, Mr. Cool, looks at him. They lock eyes. And he does that nod up thing. Go dude. Do. Yeah. Respect. You know, that kind of where yep. people nod up like, hey, yep. what's up? Respect. And Stargrove does it back to him. So they share that moment. Yep. And they kind of go back in to get dressed for the day. And he quietly smiles as he closes the door. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sheepishly. Yeah. Scene 14, back on the bus, headed back to boring Oregon. Everyone has changed or been rejected or crushed. And all of the formerly happy people are now upset. Yeah. Everything's kind of switched around. And it's weird. We see each character look at another character who looks at another character who looks at another character. And eventually, uh, Emmeline just rolls her eyes. Yeah. We see McQuaid looking at Emmeline. She rolls her eyes the other way. And Kate and Luke can't make eye contact yeah luke almost looks like he's ready to pass out he is crying yeah and as it's a beautiful life continues to play Starkgrove, who is now exceedingly happy after just gotten laid and a wonderful night with the lovely park ranger is the only one singing right he's actually singing the song <laughs> luke not not able to stand it any longer gets up Storms to the front of the bus and manages to finally get the tape out and throws it out of the bus window. The tape hits the ground as we see the bus trail back to boring Oregon as the credits fill the screen. Okay. So there we go. There what we do you go. think? This was a very important and interesting episode because it showed us of interpersonal relationships. Uh -huh. So how many corn dogs do we give this one? Five out of five for me. Five out of five corn dogs, it is for me, and five busted watermelons as well. <laughs> and five Stargrove smiles. Those got to count for something. Yes, they do. Yeah. We're going to play a song from this episode. And I know the, the thing to do would be to pick It's a Beautiful Life, but I can't do that. We've, we've heard it like 9,000 times already, right? So Especially if you've been listening to this podcast. You've yeah. been hearing it every time you listen to an episode. So I'm going to play a really cool song by Elastica. And the song is called Connection. And now we're listening to Connection by Elastica. Such a cool DJ voice you have. Thank you.
one of my driving songs when it came out <laughs> hello banana slugs hey it's patch dara ken messner from everything sucks on netflix and this is the everything sucks podcast hashtag renew everything sucks so there we go yeah thank you patch dara for that it's so cool that we've got to have as many people as we have from the show on and any cast members that want to come on we got a microphone for you and a complimentary corn dog, right? And a complimentary corn dog. Yeah, so come of on. Of course. So this episode, what what are some of the thoughts that you have? What what does this episode? Where does it leave you as a viewer? For me, this episode was a testament to how great the show was because the writing and the the very careful choice of camera angles, like the the story the storytelling in the show is just beyond fantastic. They do they do a really, really good job with it. And I don't know, for me as a viewer, I just I I enjoyed it. And it leaves me it leaves me wanting to find out more about each of the characters' personal lives. Mm-hmm. Outside of who they are together, you know? Exactly. It seems like at this point the only happy love connection we're having is Sherry and Ken. Mm-hmm. And that's on the down low for now. Yeah. So notice we didn't have Ken Messner nor Sherry O'Neill on this episode. Nope. It was a kid-centric episode. Yeah. Yeah. It, except for Stargrove and his well, park ranger yes. dalliances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so do you have any uh, – you want to check the Twitterverse? Do we have anything going Let's on in the world the of Twitter? Let's check the Twitterverse. Let's do sure. it. Let's dial up. Uh, try to get online here. And we're going to play that funky sound of the dial-up. Any minute now. Takes a second. And we're going to contact with one of our banana slugs. All right. So our first tweet is from a user by the name of Shane Stefano 2 As I read this tweet, pay attention to every single first letter of every word. They say... Extremely valuable, exciting, rad, yas, terrific, happiness, incredible, nutmeg, great, spectacular, unique, courage, kind, supportive. Hashtag rewatch everything sucks. Hashtag renew everything sucks. In case you all didn't notice about that last tweet, all of the first letters of every word spell out everything sucks. Yeah, absolutely. We, we need to have, the, have this show come back. I definitely want a... Uh... Second season. I want to see what happens to these characters. I wonder if there's fan fiction being written about this show. What do you think? Good question. I actually haven't looked that up yet. I will have to check um, the fanfiction.net website, and I'll have to check AO3. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I ever saw any fan fiction kind of stuff. It was back in the early 80s. I was at a comic book convention that was also a slash... Star Wars slash Star Trek convention. Hmm, I'm going to one of those in a few weeks. Oh, wow. So I remember there was this guy that had a pile of 
like Star Trek scripts that were not actually Star Trek script, you know, things written by fans, mm-hmm. right? And he said, oh yeah, this is stuff that fans have made up, that they've, they've written the further adventures of Captain Kirk and everything. And then there was this other pile, and I picked it up, and it was Slash fan fiction. Oh, man. And the dude says, uh, you might not want to check that out, and I didn't know what it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was back in the early 80s. So, And I've seen fan fiction for everything from Batman to the monkeys to pretty much every property has some sort of fan fiction. So if you're doing I, fan fiction, let us know on Twitter. You know, there's that whole, like, the rules of the internet. Mm-hmm. I think one of the rules of the internet should be, if it exists, there's probably fan fiction about it. Mm-hmm. What, what, what right. else is out there? This is from user at renew underscore every underscore sucks. S-U-X. They say, Everything Sucks has been canceled, and I'm so mad, especially because it's so important to the LGBT plus community, especially lesbian teenagers. They had the representation they needed, and now that's been taken away. Hashtag renew everything sucks. You know, that's true, but it's it's also true about everything. I just wanted to see all of these characters come back. I wanted yes. everything, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a, there was also an interesting article, and over at Support Everything Sucks Facebook page, they posted this from Film Daily, and it talked about how TV is now in the hands of the fans inside this, the hashtag save campaigns of 2018. Definitely. And, we got mentioned there. Yeah, with without a surprise, guess what's guess what's there? We also saw Brooklyn Nine Nine come back, we saw Lucifer come back. Filmdaily.co says everything sucks. The efforts to save the show, so far over twenty three thousand people have signed a petition to save the nineties set teen comedy. Fans have also been bombarding Netflix with letters encouraging the S V O D Behemoth to save the show. Yes. The streaming video on demand, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. And they say, why should it be saved? The show has an admittedly slow start, but once it gets going, it's apparent everything sucks is more than just a quirky love letter to a bygone trendy era. The show deals with complex coming-of-age topics exceptionally well while showcasing authentic LGBTQ storylines rarely seen in young adult programming. Yes. Network VP of Original Content Cindy Holland expressed that Everything Sucks, quote, didn't have a broader audience and failed in terms of streaming figures. Reportedly, people turned off the show in the middle of the show's short first episode, just 23 minutes long, while many others who persevered didn't stick around that much longer. I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing that, too. How is that the case if over 23,000 people signed a petition to bring the show back? It doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. Something's not adding up here. Right. And it also says what the fans say, Everything Sucks portrays an authentic young LGBTQ storyline. It not only beautifully touches on coming to terms with sexuality, but growing up, supporting your peers' identity, and more. This show is what our generation needs, and I agree wholeheartedly. They said, how's it looking? While it currently seems unlikely Netflix will renege on their decision to cancel the show, there's still some hope it could be given a platform elsewhere. Crowdfunded streaming platform Seed and Spark registered an interest to help save the show back in April. But there's been no more news of further developments. But I think that Netflix is one of the owners. So this is one of the problems with, like, you know, give up the rights or whatever. If, if they're if they're part owner in it, along with Michael Moen. Michael Moen and Ben York Jones. Yeah, and Ben York Jones. So I, I think that further complicates things, right? Yep. One last thing. You know, we talk about the LGBTQ community and, and all that, and I'm not discounting that but there's something that is seen in this show that is so important where a young person puts someone else in front of themselves Mm -hmm. not in a bad way but in a very good way and uh, we'll talk about that as we get closer to the end of the show but i think that that's something that needs some representation too where people are just genuinely kind to each other and really love one another and care about one another. So. Yeah. So let's do one more tweet and we will kick off the uh, – we, we will be back for our next episode. So so what's the what, – give us another one. 
All right. This last tweet actually applies to everything that we just talked about a few minutes ago. Mm. Netflix, Netflix India um, posted and posted a tweet that said, check out Queer Eye, Easy, RuPaul's Drag Race, Orange is the New Black, Everything Sucks, Sent Eight, Sense Eight, You, Me, Her, and Carol. And so a Twitter user by the username of Dr. Frankenfurter underscore says, isn't it odd that Netflix can acknowledge everything sucks, but not listen to the thousands of people begging them to renew it? Hashtag renew everything sucks. There you have it, folks. Agreed. And it's good to see some Dr. Frankenfurter Rocky Horror love there. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's interested, we did an interview with Caitlin Carlson from the show that has taken the music world by storm, Be More Chill. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. Oh, you need to check it out. We did an interview with one of the cast members of Be More Chill. We play a lot of music from it, but it's really good. Check it out. It's in the pop feed, same place you would find our Everything Sucks show and the Fun Size show and the Pop show and WKIP. It's all on the same stream. So if, if, if you found this episode, you can find the one from Be More Chill. So if you're interested, check it out. It's definitely worth it. There you go. So... Julia, tell folks where they can find us on the socials. Uh, thank you, everyone, very much for listening to our show, supporting our show, and supporting Everything Sucks. It means the world to all of us. Please continue, continue, continue to keep tweeting Netflix and tagging Netflix and Reed Hastings to either hashtag renew everything sucks or hashtag free everything sucks and continue to rewatch the show. I cannot stress that enough. That is our only hope of ever getting our show back, at least for our two-hour-long finale episode, if anything. So keep on fighting. Secondly, him, you can find us on the socials at our podcast is located at Pop Staff Tweets or at P Kennedy Updates. You can find me personally at P Kennedy Updates or at DAE Tweets Things. And you can find my lovely co-host, Ken, at Nightwing Ken on Twitter. We also have a new Twitter page. That's right. You can find us at ES Pop Podcast. ES Pop Podcast. I'm lovely. All of that was on Twitter. All of those usernames were on Twitter. I'm lovely, delightful, charming. I'm all those things. It's true. <laughs> www.everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com. That's right. www.everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com. So we will see you all on the next episode. And which one are we discussing next time? We are discussing Season 1, Episode 9. All my friends have been eaten by spiders. Ooh, it sounds scary. Ooh. Spiders? What? Something like follow the butterflies? <laughs> right here on Monster Horror Theater. <laughs> no, it's not a horror film. It's a, that was beautiful. My friends have been eaten by spiders, so that sounds like fun. We'll hear what it's like when uh, McQuaid has to deal with the realization that someone told him to beat off into a sock. So Yes. <laughs> oh god you know that's a real thing by the way don't you beating off into a sock yep yes i'm very well aware how the are you the internet is a magical place so until next time we will see you all on the, on the unofficial, next episode yeah on the next episode on of the unofficial everything sucks podcast tell a friend post on twitter hashtag save every Everything sucks. Hashtag we'll new everything sucks. Yep. Hashtag free everything sucks. Any one of those. Hashtag I really love everything sucks, which is really probably not too useful, but I like it anyway. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Banana slug. There we go. <laughs> and that's our show. Our podcast is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made for fans of the Netflix original series Everything Sucks by fans of the Netflix original series, Everything Sucks. Any samples of music or TV heard here remain the property of their owners. 
Our show is not affiliated with Netflix or Everything Sucks, and opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of our staff. If you like something you heard, buy it or subscribe to it today. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook or Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying, remember, hashtag renew everything sucks. Hashtag save banana slug. Yeah. I'm the one that saves me.